online shopping experience is in for some huge changes in the near future. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Convenient online purchasing of just about any item imaginable has been with us for a few years now, to the point where many of us might be taking it for granted. We fully expect that an e-tailer will have the product we want, in the color, style, and size we need, and be able to rush it to our door in a day or less, no matter where we live. That's a much different world than just a decade ago, but brace yourself. We're in for more change. The PR and social marketing agency Walker Sands Communications recently conducted its second annual survey on the future of retail. It finds that consumers are ready for another wave of innovation. Today I'm joined by Dave Perro, Senior Account Director and Retail Technology Practice Lead with Walker Sands, who talks about three big developments that emerged from the study. Delivery drones, mobile payments, and virtual reality. You might be surprised to learn how many respondents believe those trends are just around the corner and how many would base their loyalty to a retailer on their existence. We also discuss just how feasible each of those innovations really is. Are you ready to go to the mall by way of virtual reality? Here is my conversation with Dave Perro. Dave Perro, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate you asking me to join for the podcast. Tell me about the future of retail study. What were you guys getting at with that, and, and how long have you been doing it? We do the future of retail study here at Walker Sands every year. So this particular study, the 2015 study, was the second annual. So we're actually just in the process right now of starting the research for the 2016 report. But we do this report every year really to identify trends in retail technology, and so this year we covered um, just some kind of online shopping habits as a, a baseline, which we do every year. And then we really got into some of the emerging technology that we expected to be topics of conversation in 2015. And so that included drones, mobile payments, and virtual reality specifically. I want to take each of those one at a time, actually. So I'd like to just to jump right ahead to the to the drone topic. So it sounds like to some extent some consumers or a good number of consumers are ready for drones. Is is that right? That's right. Yeah, we we're actually really surprised to find out how many consumers are actually excited and eager to see drone deliveries. And keep in mind that, you know, this study came out in early 2015. And so at the time, really only Amazon was talking about that. And since then, we've seen, you know, Google get into the game. We've seen Walmart announce it. It's testing drones. And so it's taken on a life of its own this year and really become a huge news story. And so I'm guessing that when we do the study again, the numbers will be even bigger. But our study showed that about 80% of consumers said that they would be more likely to shop with a retailer if they offered drone delivery. And about two-thirds expected, they expect their first drone delivered package in the next five years. 
Um, so that's a pretty high percentage, 66% say in the next five years, and then about 36% said the next two years. So I think huh. there's an excitement and an expectation on the part of consumers, even though they've never actually seen a drone deliver a package. You know, Amazon has hyped it. Amazon has videos out there. And so I think there's um, this expectation that it's going to be reality sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have a yes – is it sort of a yes or no thing in terms of the study? I mean, did you have any chance to sit down with anyone or have you talked to people about how they view the practicality, how they see this is actually – happening in a practical sense? I mean, is it going to come down in, in front of their houses? Is it, <laughs> is it going to drop something on their porch or their lawns? What if they're living in a city? I mean, people talk about this, but it's hard to envision exactly how these drones would perform. Do you have any sense of what, how consumers visualize this actually happening? You know, I don't think consumers really know what to expect beyond what they've seen in, from videos and through videos and photos from Amazon and some of the other players. And so I think the expectation is, yeah, that, you know, whether you live in a rural area or a city, that a drone is going to be dropping a package on your front porch. <clears throat> I've seen some videos where the drone doesn't actually land, where they actually drop it through you know, some sort of line from the drone to the porch. I'm sure others expect that, you know, in some cases it might actually go closer to the ground and, and land. But the truth is I don't think anybody really really knows for sure. I'm visualizing a parachute, but I'm sure it's not <laughs> – not going to work uh, that way. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I, I wonder is if people say, gee, drones are great, but do, do they understand exactly how how they're going to work and depending on whether it's a city or a rural area, a business, a home or something like that. But I guess the salient point here, and I guess this is going to become, come as a big relief to retailers, is that at least for once, consumers say that they're willing to pay for the use of drones as a delivery device, Right. Right. That was surprising to us as well because some of the other questions that we asked as part of the study were about, you know, what are the, some of the things that would incentivize you to shop more online? And one of the big things was free shipping. And so it's kind of counterintuitive that consumers are willing to pay for drones and yet free shipping is one of the incentives that they value most. But we found that about three quarters of consumers said that they would be willing to pay something for drone delivery if, if I mean, this is the big caveat too, if they got the delivery within an hour. And so I think speed is the key to consumers being willing to pay for drone delivery. But about half of, of consumers said they would pay at least $5 and about a third said they would pay more than $20. So if, you know, if Amazon, Google, and Walmart can deliver on speed, I think there's some money to be made here. Maybe as long as, as, as it's exotic and unusual and new, but I'm wondering if drones do become a regular part of the delivery landscape. Uh, it would become the sort of thing where consumers would say, why are we paying for this? You know, it's so familiar to us and the novelty has worn off. I wonder if they might. Or if Amazon, and it's in the way this is what Amazon does, it, it, it decides all of a sudden we're going to offer free drone delivery, thereby spoiling consumers for that experience. <laughs> I suppose that's possible too, right? Yeah, and then they expect it from everybody else as well. Yeah. And I think that is the – that is the pattern that we've seen with e-commerce shipping in general that, you know, it used to be that 24-hour shipping or two-day shipping was something that you paid a premium for. And now it's kind of expected. If you have Amazon Prime, especially getting something in a day or two is kind of the norm now. Yeah, certainly free shipping is, is considered the tic a ticket to, for admission and to be an online retailer these days almost unless it's like one hour or something like that, right? Right. Yeah, free shipping has almost become a, a marketing expense. It's kind of the cost of doing business in e-commerce. 
Do you see any obstacles to the advancement of drones as a delivery mechanism? I do, and I think that's where, you know, one of the reasons that the FAA has been moving slowly is there there are a lot of concerns out there right now. Our research showed that safety is the number one concern. So this is among among consumers who said that they have some reservations about drones. Safety was the biggest concern. And so I, I think that's where the FAA is concerned, too. It's safety of people on the ground, but then it's also safety of other aircraft getting in the way of commercial jetliners and firefighting operations and being in the proximity of airports. So I think that there's that's a big hurdle, this, this perception of drones potentially being unsafe. And that's where a lot of the FAA testing and the testing that Amazon and others are doing have been focused. But then secondarily, privacy and theft were the two other concerns that consumers have. So I think there's this fear that drones are flying over my house that have video capability and photo capabilities. And so we're giving up our privacy for convenience. And then also obviously theft. It's potentially easier to, to steal a package from a drone on a front porch than a, a man truck. Or, sh- or shoot one down, depending on what part of the country right. you're in. <laughs> yeah, uh, which could be a worst case scenario is somebody actually shoots a drone out of the sky in, in order to steal a package. That's a scary thought. Yeah. Do you have a sense of which of these e-commerce giants might win the drone race? That's a great question. You know, I think that a lot of it depends on how quickly the FAA moves. So earlier this year, it looked like it might be a couple years before the FAA issued rules that would allow commercial drone flights. Now the FAA is saying they could move within 12 months or as soon as 12 months. So if if we're looking at 2017 or 2018, I think there's a likelihood that you know Amazon, Google, Walmart will all be able to launch drones at the same time because it's a long time for them to test and kind of work the bugs out. If we're really looking at a 12-month period and we're talking about 2016, then I, I think it has to be Amazon. The way that Amazon talks and you know they've been talking about drone delivery since 2013, they're ready to go now. They're ready to go as soon as the FAA gives the green light. Whereas Google has been talking more about 2017, and then Walmart just seems like they're just kind of getting started now on testing. And so I'm, I'm guessing that they're a little bit further behind on the technology. A little um, late to the party. And then, of course, you don't even hear about other big retailers like Target or Kohl's or anything right. like that. I imagine they'll all have to get in line at some point unless you also have like an independent drone service that can do this on behalf of multiple retailers. That might make sense at some point. But, um, yeah, I think I we'll, we'll see a lot more see. of that because not all retailers are equipped to launch their own drone delivery services. So I think we'll start seeing the rise of some third-party mm-hmm. logistics providers in the area. The of first delivery. drone company, so to speak. That will be interesting <laughs> to see. Um, yeah. But let's let's uh, we've done we talked a lot about drones. I kind of want to move on though to this uh, to the issue of mobile payments. There is some sentiment sure. out there among consumers that favor the use, the increasing use of mobile payments, right? We did see in our study that the, the use of mobile payments has skyrocketed over the last couple of years. You know, with the launch of Apple Pay, we really see that that kind of legitimized the, the market in the eyes of consumers. So we did this research initially right after Apple Pay launched last fall. And so I'm guessing that even more so now that mobile payments have kind of gone mainstream. I still think there are a lot of challenges to adoption just because there are so many options right now. And 
the point of sale terminals aren't consistent in terms of what they accept and, and don't accept. But it's definitely an area of, of growth and I think something that consumers are increasingly willing to embrace. But there are still some concerns and mobile payments specifically around security that I think still need to be addressed. It would pretty much have to be a standardized system, would it not? I mean, if you have half a dozen different mobile payment systems, a, a retailer, how, how could a retailer at the point of purchase have a you – know, they'd have to have a system that could talk, so to speak, to all of those? Or does it not even matter? Is it simply from your phone into the ethersphere, so to speak, that you don't have to worry about what it is that the retailer has? I, I don't know how that would work. Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges right now is that some retailers just aren't willing to swap out their point-of-sale systems. And so you could theoretically have a POS system that accepts Apple Pay and Google Wallet, could take NFC payment. But I think retailers have just been slow to swap out their actual mm -hmm. hardware. And so some of the retailers that they're used to shopping at don't accept different forms of payment. And so I think there's just some confusion out there right now among consumers about which which is actually going to prevail in terms of the, the technology that's widely adopted. They didn't give you a timeline, an expected timeline on that one, did they? Or they say two years, five years, anything like that? Or just don't, they, they don't have any sense of that? No, I don't have a good sense of, of timing. You mean on, in terms of uniform adoption? Yeah, I mean, like when, what do consumers think? You know, you were, were talking about how, how, how soon consumers expect to see drones in regular use. I wonder how soon they expect to see mobile payments sort of like the way of doing things. We didn't ask specifically about when they expect it to, say, go mainstream. But we did find that because we do this, have done the study two years in a row, that in 2013, about 8% of consumers had used some form of mobile payment, whether it be Apple Pay or a mobile app like Starbucks, say, to pay for their coffee. In 2014, that jumped to 40%. And so that's a huge jump in adoption just over the course of a year. And so I think we'll see this year that that, that number is going to rise well above 50%. I think it's just a matter of which technology is going to be the winner in terms of overall adoption. And I think that's just the, something that the market will decide. I guess the ultimate question is how far away are we from a cashless society? That's a really good question. We did look in our study at the use of cash, and we found that the, the use of cash is on decline. And we've also had a lot of the scandals with point of sale um, through credit card and debit cards with consumers getting hacked and their data being compromised. I think between those two things, the declining use of cash and the increasing number of hacking scandals at point of sale, I think we'll, those two things are going to drive mobile adoption. But how soon, nobody seems to know at this point. Yeah, I mean, there are certain things that consumers pay for still with cash. So like street vendors or at a bar, people still t tend to use cash for those kind of things. But I think where we're seeing the increasing use of mobile payments is more for retail purchases, grocery shopping and restaurants, things like that. People hold on to cash for small purchases, but I think for some of the bigger ones, they're going to shift definitely to mobile payments over the next couple of years. What about alternative payment uh, systems online? What about cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin and things like that? Have you had any discussions with consumers about that? A little bit. We ask consumers what form of payment they feel is most secure. And 56% said cash. So there's still a perception there that cash is safe, short of being stolen from your pocket. It's not going to be hacked, obviously. So consumers feel safe with, with cash because they can control it. What was interesting was that 3% of consumers consider cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin to be the most secure form of payment. And only 1% said mobile payments. And so there is a perception that mobile payments are vulnerable 
to hacking, even more so than something like Bitcoin, which the majority of the vast majority of consumers have never used. Yeah, slightly more trusted. That's really interesting, especially because people still have a lot of questions about the value of Bitcoin and whether it can hold its value and what its value is at any given moment. So uh, I think that confusion would, would cause some concerns. But 3% versus 1%, I don't know if that's <laughs> within the margin of error or not, but it does seem like uh, more trust in Bitcoin than in mobile payments at this point. Yeah, and I think that just speaks to the kind of the challenges that the mobile payment providers are up against when it comes to adoption. If consumers don't consider it, consider it safe, that's certainly going to slow it down. What about virtual reality? I find it really interesting that you address that issue in your study as well because I can't even get my, uh, get my arms around the idea of, of how virtual reality would apply to retail. <laughs> what is that all about and what do consumers think about it? Yeah, I mean virtual reality when it comes to, to retail – is really about being able to get the in-store experience at home or on your mobile device, you know, somewhere outside of the actual physical store, um, almost being able to virtually try products or try on clothes using uh, either a virtual reality device like Oculus Rift or perhaps even through your mobile phone with some 3D technology, being able to try on clothes, being able to kind of mix and match products virtually to see what they look like together. It really gives retailers an opportunity to, to upsell matching accessories, for example. But we found that consumers are really interested in the idea, even if it's still kind of a foreign concept. And I think like you, they don't know exactly what it looks like, but about a third of consumers said that they would shop on more online if they're able to try on a product virtually. Not just try on, but I wonder if virtual reality would be a means of creating, of putting you in the store virtually. You could walk down an aisle. You could look at yep. shelves. You could see things on display, and then you could, like, press something and, and, and inspect that particular item. I guess that's a possibility, right? Sure. Yeah, you could have uh, in-store experience at home. You could uh, try on products. You could potentially interact with sales representatives in a, a VR environment. I think that's it's one of those areas where the possibilities are kind of endless. Mm -hmm. Virtual reality up to this point has kind of been limited to gaming and a few other kind of niche applications. But I think there's there's interest in it as the technology evolves. I, I definitely think there are applications beyond even retail, you know, things like real estate and virtual tours of properties and you know, just being able to to visit other places and kind of experience them vicariously through through the web. When you reached out to the sampling in your survey, were you trying for a, a wide variety of demographic and age and things like that? This was limited to people who have shopped online. Mm, over okay, the, so automatically you probably get you'll probably get a you'll skew a little bit young for that reason, right? right? <clears throat> Yeah, it was. I don't have the um, exact breakdown of the demographics in front of me, but it it was a a broad range of ages. But it did skew a little bit young, just because, to your point, it was people who have shopped online over the past twelve months. But it was fourteen hundred consumers, all based in the U.S. So we, we did make sure that it covered all of the different ages and, and genders and had a mix. But it did skew a little bit young. Yeah, I mean, just what we're talking about here: drones, mobile payment, virtual reality. I doubt that's even on the radar of most people over a certain age. <laughs> certainly, certainly, <laughs> you know, even younger than me. I mean, anybody over the age of maybe thirty would 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 look at those concepts and just sort of go, "Huh, 
So I, visu- <laughs> I visualize a lot of very young people responding to you in this manner, but I could be wrong, I guess. Could I not? I mean, maybe this is a more widespread thing than, than, I, than I've been led to understand. I think it depends on the technology. You know, I think something like mobile payments, I think, has probably um, been adopted more widely than just younger shoppers, um, just because smartphones have become so ubiquitous. I think drones certainly are going to be adopted or people who shop online more are going to be more excited about them than, than people who don't shop online. And then I think you're probably right about virtual reality in particular, that that's probably something um, that younger shoppers are more excited about because maybe they have experience with VR through gaming, for example, or they're more willing to shop for products online that traditionally you might have to try on in store, like a pair of shoes or um, an outfit. I think there's a more willingness on the part of younger shoppers to order online and then return if they have to. Do you have any plans to tweak this study in 2016? Any different questions you might ask or different approaches you might take? So we are right now in the midst of uh, kind of formulating this this research for next year. So there are definitely some topics that we're going to revisit. Um, the, the three that we've covered, drones, mobile payments, and virtual reality, I think will will continue to be relevant next year. So we're going to do that same same research and repeat a lot of the questions. But there were a few few topics that we we did ask about last year that we thought might be kind of hot topics, and it, it turned out that maybe they weren't quite on consumers' radars yet. So one of them in particular was social commerce, specifically social buy buttons. It was something that we asked about last year, and we found that it, consumers either weren't aware of them or weren't excited about them. By that, you mean buttons that are actually on some of the social platforms like Facebook and the like that you just press when you're on there and automatically buy something? Is that what we're talking about? Right. So it would, it would kind of be like one-click purchasing that you might yeah. experience on Amazon but on social media. So uh-huh. you know, a brand could advertise a product on Facebook and a consumer could click a buy button and you know, their credit card information is already stored, their address information is already stored. So you just click the buy button and it gets sent right to you. Um, so in the past year, we've seen Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter announce the ability to purchase straight through the social channels. So I think that topic will be more relevant heading into 2016 now that there's more consumer awareness than it was heading into 2015. And consumer comfort over this idea of just giving these retailers and these merchandisers all this information about us that we right. might have been reluctant to give before, but it seems like we're definitely moving in that direction if we're not, well, I'm sure we're there already to a certain extent, but it does seem like consumers are going to be even more comfortable with that in the future to make this sort of thing possible. I would agree with that as, as long as there's a trade-off and that you know consumers are getting value, whether it's convenience or discounts, I think that consumers will be willing to trade at least some of their information for you know, some of those incentives. Well, okay. We'll look forward to the 2016 study, but this is, these are three really interesting aspects of how technology might be changing the face of retail in the future. So, Dave Perrow, I want to really thank you for taking time to explain these uh, results of the Future of Retail study. We will link to it in our show notes so that um, our listeners can see the, the full study, and we look forward to next year's study as well. Thank you very much for being with us. I appreciate it, Bob. That was my conversation with Dave Perro of Walker Sands Communications, talking about the firm's 2015 Future of Retail study. 
We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you have any comments or suggestions on this or any episode, email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.